0: Welcome to the Trigger Warning Talk podcast, where we have uncomfortable conversations about missing persons, domestic violence, human and sex trafficking, as well as sexually-based offenses. I have a very special guest today. We're gonna deep dive into her life and her story and what she does. Her name is Donja Varghese. She is from Philadelphia. Let me see your hoodie.
1: (laughs) I am from Philadelphia, Philadelphia
0: right she is danya danya is a life coach a mentor a teacher for kids and teens in the foster care system in philly and she's very passionate about healing in her city. Uh, she also talks about the need for change in terms of violence especially with guns she mentors kids from all over the world on a platform called out school the classes she runs are life skill courses And they're centered around mentorship, affirmations, and mindset work. She also has an MA in human service counseling and life coaching and also an EFT slash tapping practitioner, which I want to hear more about because that is a healing technique that she uses in her sessions with her clients. So today we're going to talk about how she overcame gun domestic violence, why she returned back to her Philly community to stop gun violence. And we have an end question after her final thoughts. Of course, we always close out the show with a missing person case as planned. So, Miss Dania, welcome to the Trigger One to Talk podcast. And I wanna remind you that we do real talk here. Fluff is an action word. Fluff is for pillows. Fluff is what you add onto the top of a cappuccino. Say what it is. It is what you say. Uncensored, unfiltered conversations. Of course, for all the listeners and the watchers of this, because it's going to be audio and video, we will have a ton of resources. If you are triggered, again, the podcast is called Trigger One and Talk Podcast. So when you come in here, you may be triggered. That may be expected, but we don't BS around. We don't sugarcoat shit. We do real talk here there are going to be a bunch of resources listed in the description for the video and the audio portion of this and so if you are triggered there are phone numbers there are websites in reference to your need for your emergency so that being said miss danya i'm going to pass the mic over to you because i want you to tell us about how you overcame domestic violence, especially when it came to gun violence, because this is a special day also for you. And I want you to talk about all of that. Why this day is special? This, is a, this also is a reason why we're doing the podcast today. Yes. The mic is yours.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, wow, Larry, I just love your voice, the way that you speak. Ah, just love it! What an introduction, too. I that was so nice to hear back, and I genuinely didn't think that you knew all of that about me, so that was really nice. Uh, you really touched on a lot of my life, so that was really nice to hear. Working <laughs> um, so on so, getting
0: a better researcher and interviewer, so thank yes. you. Everybody.
1: Oh wow, that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I just love that you touched on every single one of those titles because that is something that I. Um, really had to find my way um, to kind of incorporate all of those titles into what I do, because, you know, I think as we grow up, we all, you know, you think that you do one thing or you have, you know, your thing has to be one, you know, one thing and that's what you do. But I really learned, you know, to be a life coach in one space, a mentor in one, a healer, a teacher, and sometimes, you know, all of them at the same time, right? You, as you do, as you continue, so um, thank you for naming all of those things. So, cool. yeah, I just want to start with, um, yeah, why today is special and um, why it really does, you know, a lot of the people that do the work that you do, the work uh, similar to the work that I do and, and so many other fields, right? When you see them, they might be on year 10 of their journey, year 11, year 20, right? But there's so many things that, that have gone on prior to when you are meeting them and seeing them work um, and be in their service that you don't know about, right? And then you slowly over time get to know it and you're like, wow, and you are now serving back and pouring back into those same places and you have been doing so for this much time. So, you know, I have the honor of walking in that now and, and, you know, really finding my way as I do so. So today, you know, is a special day in my life, personally, and, and I would say my communities as well, um, where I grew up around my school community, my church community. So, you know, you kind of learn where things kind of intersect, too, you know. Um, so it's a day that, for me, I treat it as a January 1st day. You know, it's a day where I'm like, oof, you know, thank God I saw another May 9th. Here we go. How has life changed since last May 9th? And the one before that, and the one before that, and the one 11 years ago. What do I want to see happen before the next year? It's a day that I reevaluate my own life. Um, and, you know, I love the title of this because it's, you know, things that ha- no matter how many years, right, go by, there will, there will if, especially if you come back to work in the same field, that will trigger you. And that's a very honest thing that you need to acknowledge. Everybody, and that's okay, right? But it's also about equipping yourself with the right tools, having the right conversations, the right people, um, all of that, right, to deal with this trigger now. Um, so that I learned to do over time as well. You know, I just want to let you know, there was a time where I couldn't talk about this, right? There was a time where I would have already been crying, right? <laughs> there was a time where there was a rock in my throat where I couldn't even get out the words, right? There's phases of this, right? Not to say that that sometimes still doesn't happen or it won't today or, or the next time I talk about this, but... You know, you, you have to acknowledge those steps for yourself as well. See how far you've come um, in that process as well. So, and give yourself that grace. So, um, just noticing that as, as we talk today as well. So, you know, when I was, so today is special because a dear friend of mine passed away um, to the gun violence in Philadelphia. And he was a young man. He was 23 years old, right? So he died um, all, by my old university, Temple University. And you know, that day, all of us that were in that apartment, you know, with him and um, having the honor, is what I would say, to be one of the last people to see him uh, in this life, in in you know, in his his element, um, to be able to exchange that energy and, and what that has meant to me and how I. Um, how I use that daily, and that's something we don't always talk about, right? Um, how much we actually use um, our triggers as as everyday power, right? And that's really something that I also want to come through this episode, um, because there's re- there's a lot of magic in that, you know, um, in in using that. So I spent a lot of time also after that loss, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, this happened in Philadelphia, I was a, I was a freshman, right, so I had a lot more time at that university, so you have to, you have to guess that there was a lot of that time where I was kind of resembled towards my surrounding, right, Um, resembled towards the, just the environment, the community, people, you know, Um, things were triggering, right, Um, I even left, I left um, not only Philadelphia, but I left the country, right, (laughs) to give myself time and space and it was all very necessary for my healing right sure. um and it's it's it is very difficult to leave um a community a family my entire family is here right um my, a very big um part of, of who i am is here so to have taken that time away to really give myself it, it even solidified you know the things that were very important to me um, being, you know, self-care and, and healing and um, exploring, getting to know people, right? The love of people really is in this service as well, right? To to give back to something um, that triggered you is also your loving people, community, um, the same kinds of people, families that may have hurt you, harmed you, and, and really taken something away from you, right? There, It's really a delicate dance, <laughs> right, um, some of this work, um because you think you know you're over something or you think you won't get triggered and then like something will happen and you're like oof, you know that really hurt or or why why do i feel this type of way i need to take a step back right, right. um so yeah um so i guess so, in a-
0: so you let's go back to that incident if you if you don't mind so this yeah. was may 9th uh one year
1: 2011. Today, today marks 11 years. Today 11. is uh, 11 years, right? So, just seeing you know um, our community over the last 11 years, you know, honoring him, and um, he was a school counselor, you know, um, with the mission of, of helping the youth, right? So, I now, you know, what we can do with that as the people that are here, right, living and breathing, is is really taking that intention and just saying hey use me right i really that is my only prayer is use me you know god and everyone over there you know let your work be done that you cannot finish on on this plane right so you know i picture sort of what he would be like with kids right he was real chill real calm you know but still authoritative because you know he was a male that was uh or bear-like, right? So you kind of had that already going for you, so, <laughs> um, but warm, right? So I allow these these qualities, I-, I pray to come through me, right? As as I am servicing the same types of people that, that was his, gonna be his legacy as well, right? So I have the honor of, of doing that, right? Um, but my unique and why I love doing this today why I love doing this today with you, current this year, because this year again is different from last May 9th, as every single one of them is for me, right? But this one in particular, I am now working for the first time in 11 years, really. Like, you know, I am now walking distance from this very apartment, right? Where he had oh, passed, where wow. I lived. Okay. I am walking distance from, I just took this job in November, right? And to be very honest, I don't even remember applying for this job. So I remember being like, what's happening? Uh, <laughs> but I took it and it was perfect, you know. So I was like, wow. And when I got there, my this apartment is walking distance from my office. And Excellent. I can't, I can't imagine a more setting yourself up to be triggered situation than this, right? Um, and you know, I really had to sit back and think, like, Dunya, you really want to do this? Like. You don't need to go back there. Like you don't need to do that. You know, <laughs> um, there are other jobs that you have a job. First of all, I had a job, so it was like, is this necessary? And how did he get my information? Um, so LinkedIn, though, I love LinkedIn. You be you do stuff on there, and you don't even be remembering. So I think this was one of those times, and I and I am where I'm where I need to be. Right? It's an honor. I can't even believe it. You know. When I show up there, you know, I went to this university, um, you know, my brother went to this university. My mom is a nurse at that university, you know, sending people, my nephew is a, is a freshman at that university, lived on the same side of campus that this ha- incident happened in. You, you Now that's, that's triggering, right? So when you hear, hey, I got into Temple, guess where I'm living? I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff can be triggering. You're like, no, this is my family. This is my kin that I'm sending down there now, right? So it will come up, you know, and that's when, that's when you really have to, to love on yourself and then to give yourself other things and really give yourself pep talks too, you know, because, you know, it takes time to, to view it in this perspective, but, um, it will come, it it will try you again, especially when you start working down there, right? Um, naturally, um, you will see things, um, like that. So. You know, I, I don't take it lightly that I'm back there. And, you know, um, I definitely do view that as um, an assignment that that I am given to complete um, and um, to honor him as well, you know. And I don't—I know I didn't have to be there. Once upon a time, I, I, you know, I lived in a different country and I chose to do that, you know. But I kind of was really like boomeranged and thrown back in there and being like, let's go, you know. Um, we have a little bit of work down here to do. And um, I remember when Bob Proctor died this year, there was, you know, a lot of stuff of his floating around and a lot of his work and readings. And I I heard one of his, it was a sound bit, so a lecture or whatever it may have been. And he said, and this was everything, it said that you have enough power, potential power in your body to illuminate your entire city for an entire week. And I was like, wow. (laughs) Uh, because sometimes it does feel like what is little old me going to do about the rampant numbers in Philadelphia when it pertains to gun violence right because it is now unfortunately it's so much worse than it was now 11 years ago and that saddens me you know it's like wow we're not even getting better you know so that can also be triggering it's like Okay, um, it's not getting better. I am one person, you know, what can I do? Um, And is it, is me showing up making a difference? These are things that we can fall into, right? Um, When when we're in these things as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely is the notion of, you know, I'm a very big believer in the word trajectory. I love that word trajectory. And just believing that it takes one person, one time, one thing... To change the course of your life in a positive or negative way right um my situation particularly this situation my computer it could have been completely avoided right he gained nothing um and he was also very young right the the shooter at the time was 19 years old so you have to believe that he also you know uh his life you know kind of took a direction that it did necessarily didn't have to and we said this Me and you, when we spoke last time, um, something that, uh, a line that came up was, it doesn't have to be this way. And that's really also another tone that I really want to set throughout this um, conversation is, it doesn't have to be this way. When you really think about that, you know, it really is that you could be in the right place at the right time, talking to the right people and really change the trajectory of someone's life. You know, um, it really could be any teacher, any um, kind person that you see in um, an office, a therapy clinic, whatever it may be, um, a volunteer thing, a person on the street, whatever it may be. It takes one person and um, a present mindful person right there. There's things happening all around us. Right. So. Just really keeping that in mind. and not taking it lightly that I am brought back to the same exact place, right? And being extra um, open and and warm and really illuminate, right? Um, just walk with that as well um, for as long as I can until I I feel as though the assignment there is complete, right? Um, because it is very interesting that I'm back at, at my old um, the exact. I walked on these streets when I was 19. 18 19 20 21 you know so to be back it's like Oof. Uh, so um yeah definitely um something that i may have not have been ready i also want to say may not been ready to have done four years ago clearly not i left the country you know so i would not have been ready to work on that street at that office four years ago i okay. know that uh but i can today and i'm ready to do that today uh, and I do that with with joy, even, you know, um it's kind of I'm very happy, but you know, I don't really feel it's it's a different sort of feeling. you know you're really taking it and making purpose out of it. You're honoring it, you know, um, of course, there's you know, the the honoring of today that comes with remembrance of, you know, and feeling that day, but there's also a lot of lot of of joy and celebration that comes with it as well. so it's it's wonderful to to honor him this way as well and that part of my story you know it's not something that again you know you do know when you shake my hand and you meet me as the life coach in my building you, you know these are just not things that we have written on us you know but these are things that make up our composition right these are things that this is why i can re- i can look at a 12 year old little boy from north philly that is acting out a little bit and be able to see inside you know and not the chaos or um the attitude or the you know disobedience or um the drive you know to be better right now you know so just using it to the to the best of my ability and um really taking advantage of of Honestly, the, the protection, the guidance that I do have, right, to really be honest, to, to really take advantage of, of what I do know, um, it's sort of being able to see, like, almost like a bird's eye view sometimes, I feel like. Like, I'm getting a, a different view of things, or I'm able to see this on a, just a little elevation for me, you know, I'm always feeling a little bit bigger in, in my environment, and I love feeling that way, you know? Sometimes I, I really can feel um, a very expansive energy when I'm down there. So, um, and I know that comes through time and, and, and asking to use this, you know? And just know when you do ask to use this, it comes with a lot. You will get a lot, but you asked for it, right? So um, just know that as well. In asking to be used and, and asking, um, to serve in this way, you will be met with things that will test you, will try you, um, but also um, take good care of yourself in that space and do it, do the things that you need to do um, in that space, so.
0: <laughs> you said that this could have been prevented. And as you know, and as I know, working with these young folks, when we're talking about stopping the violence hopefully eliminating the violence in regards to gun violence. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I always get pulled into because of the different things that I do as a first responder is teaching stop the bleed classes across the country, teaching public and gun safety, having these conversations with these young folks, because one of the first things I talk to them about is learning verbal judo everybody does not understand what that means so i would like for you to talk about your definition of verbal judo when you're talking to these young folks and what it means to you because i know just as well as you know that a lot of these incidents these active violent incidents that happen and when i say active violent incidents i'm talking about a any situation that causes violence. So it could be at a school, it could be at a house of worship, it could be a place of business, it could be in the community at large, shopping mall, on the street, at a bar, wherever. It doesn't have to involve multiple casualties. It doesn't even have to involve multiple injuries. And in the news, the media, Uses the term "active shooter" hostile event, but the government is saying, you know what? We're going to change that terminology from that to "active violent incidents" because that covers everything. It covers any incident that's involving a firearm, an explosive, or any weapon. If I walked in the mall and started knocking people upside the head with a front a cast iron skillet, they're going to call that an active violent incident. Now mm-hmm. it may go viral because they're like, "This might dude was." Using his grandma's cast iron skillet to knock people outside the head, what's wrong with him? Mm. You know, but it is what it is. So it's going to garner some of the same responses. You know, they might not come in as heavy because there is no fire on or there is no explosive, but it still falls under that same umbrella. So for you, when you talk to these young folks about verbal judo, how do you define it personally and how do you define it professionally
1: could you define verbal judo in 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 what you perceive it as
0: for me when i'm talking to people especially young folks i say you know what let me show you something so i use props because Mm. people like props right especially kids especially young folks so One of the things that I learned is when you're talking about firearms specifically, I say to people, that's probably the most readily sought after thing that people want to grab when it comes to a violent incident. The majority of your incidents are hand to hand, you know, but these get more of the attention now this is just a training gun it's all plastic no moving parts no ammo nothing like that it's just all plastic this is a model of a glock and so when i'm talking to kids and i'm having these discussions with them i say you know before you grab one of these or before you grab one of these you need to learn verbal judo and i'm holding for the audio audience i'm holding up a mock of a gun and an actual knife a pocket knife i say verbal judo is defined loosely as if i got a conflict with danya i can just talk to danya and say i got a conflict with you let's talk about it let's just have a discussion even if it's spirited even if it's yelling and screaming Mm -hmm. even if it like we're two centimeters two centimeters from each other's face and spit is going between us and all this stuff or whatever nobody's putting a hand on anybody nobody's grabbing a weapon everybody walks away and you might have some feelings hurt you know you might have said something that crushed my spirit or something Mm -hmm. or vice versa Somebody might have taken an L. Both both of us may have taken an L, but it's a verbal L. It's not, nobody got hurt, injured, dying, or dead. Because of words. Now, we know that the old saying, season songs can break your bones, but words never hurt. We're not even just talking about that. We're just saying, hey, use your verbal judo in this altercation that you're having with this person. Because Doing that, you're still getting out what your beef is with that person and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You don't have to resolve you don't have to resort to one of these at all. That's how I started off. And then I get to the gun part of it, if that doesn't work, because I start talking about gun safety. I don't get into the politics. I just talk about gun safety and why that's important. So the mic is yours.
1: At. Yes. Okay. Um, I have so much to say about this now. <laughs> so I think that my style um, and what I have seen to really work as well is using things that sort of, for lack of better words, just kind of pull things out of them without them even knowing. So this could be done. And, you know, you're also giving many examples of using visuals and, and asking things. And every person is different and every person everybody will be hit with a point differently. The same message reaches all of these kids. Something else will hit them, right? A different style of voice, um, a person, a mentor. Someone else will be a podcast that they listen to. Um, Whatever it may be, everyone is something resonates differently, right? So, and I do this online as well with my kids a lot. I I teach um, a class. Um, I read a book by Deepak Chopra. Oh man, it's called On My Way to a Happy Life. And when I tell you the things that happen in this class. So I read this book and while we are reading, um, it's also the adult version of this book is a very, very famous book. It's very old too. I think it's like written in the nineties. It was The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success is his adult version of that. So this is the children's version of that book. Amazing. (laughs) So as I teach this book, I and it's on Zoom, and so they're looking at the book, and I'm just a voice just like this, right? I'm reading this book, and they can see, and then I guide them to draw what his lesson is, and we are drawing it out, and we're writing within these pages as well. And what it's asking them to do is is really reflect, and they don't even know they're doing it, right? It's sort of just walking them through, So this is also something I practice with many of my clients um, that I do get to see um, out in the field and online is I lead them through affirmation work and writing work. Um, And it's very much verbal, right? And they don't even know it, especially EFT. So this is where I will um, talk about that a little bit because this is something that you can use and, it is talking it out. And, and a lot of times what comes out of tapping are your triggers, right? And you may not even know some of these things that were triggering you or um, really buried deep down. And it just kind of resurfaces things. And then in doing so, you can then work on healing them. And And now you know that's why this certain thing affects you this way, <laughs> right? Why it does that to you. So also just having those practices to share. Um, and to give it's like here, um, so, and you know, a lot of times you cross paths with these people one time, right? Some of it, it's just one time and it might be, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, hours It might be weekly for a couple of months. Right. And you just want to make sure the time that you do have, you are equipping them with everything that you can in that time. And that is what my intention is, um, And, and I do do that through through affirmations and, and other items like that, whether it be books and, and practices like that. And um, I would love to also describe EFT um, and that practice and yeah, how that really get, does help.
0: Yeah, we're going to get into that because I actually and I didn't think about it until just now. I want you to show us. Do a mini tapping session with me. Yeah. for the video audience. We'll yes, talk about yes. it. I'll have you talk it through for the audio audience, but I want because I've never participated yeah, in one yeah. of the like, videos of it, but I'm like, oh my God, that's interesting. Mm. I was like, why didn't I think about having her do that? And I was like, I'm just... Yeah, that's
1: a great idea. Mm-hmm. So, and you can follow along with audio as well. You okay. know, mm-hmm. But we'll get into that. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I want to move to the next phase of the discussion where you left the U.S. From the time you left the U.S. to the time you came back, what was going on with you here during that whole process from leaving to coming back?
1: Yes. Oh, what a great question. Yes. I really felt, um, I really just felt it that I needed some space. I needed some time. Um, and I could feel it in my body. Um, I could feel it in my spirit. And you have to listen to, to that. Um, so it took a lot to listen to myself to make that decision. And it wasn't forever. I knew I wasn't gonna live there forever. And so it was nice to acknowledge that it's okay to give yourself that too. And I went to work as well. And I, I went to work um, in my field. It was an education. I was a teacher. Um, I was an English and Spanish teacher towards that latter half. Um, And what also what I now looking back, you know, one of the things I do want to highlight is I moved somewhere where I didn't speak the language. I didn't understand the language. I also didn't know anybody. (laughs) So. When I tell you it was just me, myself, and I, and anything I invited into my world, whether it be, there were certain musicians that were rocking with me that that whole two years. There were certain authors or certain podcasts that were really just carrying me, right, as these voices, Um, you know, and just everything was energy-based at that point because I wasn't even, I wasn't able to really communicate with the locals, so I learned how to, show kindness and and love just through um action right um i understood that how to communicate this way and how you can still feel without there you know there was this woman that um had a restaurant across the street from my apartment and she felt like my mom while i was in shanghai (laughs) and we never communicated really through words because she didn't speak a lick of english and i didn't speak any mandarin And I really understood what it meant to just connect and just show love, right? So, but I also, as I was still serving, because I was, you know, I took the time to pour into many different aspects of myself. I think that's really when I learned to play multiple roles, do multiple things and pour into it. And I think that that's something we should talk about, too, is. Sure. Taking this um, trigger or taking whatever it is your life's work, your service, and doing it in so many different forms, this clearly being one of the forms that is an example for you, right? So taking it and pouring it into to the volunteer work, your your creativity life, your um, your your active service and work, and then just anywhere else, right? Just using the same thing but pouring it in different ways. Right. Whether it's your hosting rooms on Clubhouse, whatever it may be, however it is that you're using this and exercising this, but having fun in, in multiple ways and, and multiple arenas. So when I was there, I was able to work with children in so many different capacities, you know, um, in orphanages and um, rehabs. And so I knew that I was able to feel my purpose and really be able to do it. And I learned to use my purpose in different ways. You know, so when you met me, you could feel it. And and it didn't, these titles didn't matter anymore. So I really learned that none of these titles for me, um, because I feel like at the time in Philly, I was really also focusing on doing one thing. And and I really went there to really hear what it is that I needed to do. Um, So that's really where I learned to um, dance with all of these different titles as well. Um, And just really spend time um, with myself. So coming back. So while I was there, I also did feel, I did hear, you know, you still need to work in Philadelphia though. You know, you still have work to do in Philadelphia. So I knew that I would be back, that I would do work. I didn't know that it would be so close to home and so close to exactly, you know, the place that it would be, you know, you can't make that stuff up. You really can't, you can't make that kind of stuff up. And it's really not something I would have just chose for myself. That really just had to have been the way that it was. So, you know, I could feel it in my spirit that I would be back and I would be, you know, I knew that I'd be back when I'd be ready to be back. And what brought me back was the pandemic. Right. So that's really what brought me back. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what um, brought me back home and um, then just sort of coasted and, and, you know, taught my affirmation classes without school, and and uh, my other classes with them, which I still do. So I still get to pour into children all over the world. So to still talk about this stuff, and to tap with children in you know, um, in Korea, in India, in South Africa, you know, and Kentucky, you know, it's it's just amazing. You know, <laughs> so still being able to do that, right, and be based at home, um, and rooted at home, and pour into to this community as much as I can, right? Because now I'm home. I'm so happy for that time I had away. I'm so happy I got to really focus on on the things that I love um, and the things that really poured into me to take care of me and, and to really hear that, yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, so, you are one person and you're a really big energy in person and you can do this, you know, and to really hone in on that. Um, that's where I also exercise my voiceover work as well. So, And I still participate um, in that part of my life. So which kind of molds into so many other things, right? When you are coaching, when you are teaching, your voice, you know, is really exercise there. So being able to do that on a different level is also fun and exciting for me too, right? That's a gift. That's a gift that I get to use um, with tapping as well. It's very voice-based. So just kind of seeing the alignment in that as well is really nice for yourself <laughs> um, and really makes it um, worth it really, right? Um, it's like, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for all of that. Right. So also saying um, just appreciating that it's an honor to do the things that we get to do and to be strong enough to do that. (laughs) So um, coming home and doing that was um, I honor the time I had away and and now I'm back and I still want to go away. Right. So that's something that we also kind of feel guilty for too. It's like this push and pull of wanting to give back and serve in your community and also wanting to, go to Hawaii and do EFT on a beach, right? And still speaking life into that, but also serving here at the same time, right? It's like, your soul just wants to do so much and you feel so much bigger than, you know? Um, But also just staying present, meeting yourself, you know, where you are and pouring into the assignment that you are doing, just knowing that this is what we're doing right now. So (laughs) that was my time away.
0: You know, some people may have questions about, well, when I think of domestic violence, I think of home violence. I think of violence in a residence with family, with maybe friends that got into an altercation or something like that, but it's in a home. The reason that I wanted to talk to you about this particular story is because it didn't happen in a home. It didn't happen in a traditional home setting in a traditional domestic violence setting that we tend to think of. These weren't lovers. These weren't people that grew up around each other. These weren't people who, uh, you know, were having some long standing beef with each other, that spent that goes back years and years in this type of intimate setting of friends or family or what you. and what what i want people to understand is when we're talking about domestic violence these people knew each other right they knew each other and so unfortunately it ended up with one person killing the other person to me that's still a domestic violence situation you know and so for you when you think about domestic violence do you look at it as widespread as i do cuz a lot of people don't and i and i always say to people you got to mm-hmm. think outside well, of the right. box right this is why we do this podcast I want mm-hmm. you to think outside of the box. Stop thinking that domestic violence is just the, the boyfriend and the girlfriend at home, the husband and wife in their apartment, the sister and the brother, you know, arguing in, in the car. It could be two strangers mm-hmm. in terms of they know each other. They're not family. So when I say strange, I'm just saying they, they're not no blood tied. But they had an altercation. In a kind of domestic setting, because it was at the school, right? That's
1: right. So, yeah, what I, what you're really touching is community based, right? It's, it's
0: community based.
1: Community based. And what we what we what I want to highlight from our personal conversation is too. In that moment, so many things were now affected. Right. This is someone's son. This is someone's brother. This is someone's classmate. This is someone's um, what else? <laughs> Cousin. Sure. Yes, yeah.
0: This right, is he like,
1: counselor, church member, right, yeah. school student. He belonged to a different university. He didn't even go to the, my university. So there's two universities in my city that were involved, right? There are neighbors, other students, right? So, you, you know, every school it affected
0: house. you. Like you left the country,
1: right? Of course. Right? Right. Yeah. I did two years abroad and it was many years after the fact as well, because you learn that that, you know, of course, other things were reasons why I left. But half the reason I left was this city. So what, you know, the events that took place (laughs) in the city, of course. Right. And to give myself that space. So just knowing, you know, so many people, you know, our neighbors, other university students witnessed this, you know, from their balcony. It was a nice May. It was a nice May day. It was also a Monday, so, you know, this year it rings around exactly on a Monday, so, you know, so it was, um, you know, other students and, and other people and, and, you know, and you got a TU alert about it. Everyone got an email, you know, it's like, hey, just letting you know, buck down, that's a nervous system thing, you know, like other people's bodies were affected, their nervous systems, other families' parents had to see that on the news. My poor parents had to see that on the news. I didn't even Everybody's call them.
0: make making phone calls. Are you okay? Where are you? What's going on? I'm looking at this breaking news story. Hey, and that, that is exactly why right. we are having this discussion today.
1: Right, yes. I it's
0: want us to, to raise me. the awareness about that, how it affects everybody.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, at the time i I did postpone my grief. I will definitely say i I was a person that delayed a reaction and grief because it was now go 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 that was you know so and you also felt like you didn't have the right to grieve because he was all these other things you know um first you know that that's someone's son that's someone's brother, someone's partner so of course those people were you know, but i so I delayed my own. Uh, I delayed my own reaction and grief to that. That that sort of kind of lingered and, and caught up with me as, as I kept moving, right? Um, and with my also as I kept moving along the years, I also felt that strong pull to okay. give back to the community in this way. And, you know, those little came over time like, hey, um, I kind of really want to do this. And I started to become obsessed, um, you know, with the mind of, um a young person and you know when you meet with a 19 i feel like is an age that comes up a lot with this topic whether it's um of a depth or a shooter i see the number 19 all the time and i started getting obsessed with what was this person you know because at the end of the day that was someone's student you know when you see these people on the news some teacher out there is like oof uh he was in my fourth grade class and you know what he was this way and that way I, I promise you, those are things that are being said, right? Because when you meet six and seven year olds, I'm I, I was so curious about what he was like when he was six, when he was seven. What were the things that yep. were around him? What were the things that he was being exposed to? You know, so so many questions that you can ask, right? So I became obsessed with that, and that's really what drove me into even the schooling. I was still young enough at that time to go into the schooling I needed to do to get to where I am today. Right. So that really this this day changed the trajectory of my schooling. <laughs> right. Talking about the unraveling. I was a kinesiology major with the track to be a physical therapist. When I tell you that's so far from what my life is right now, it's not even funny. Like, you know, yeah. so You're you an have an to a- a- even a- stuff a- like that, <laughs> you know. So it was like, no, 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 no. We are going to study this. We are going to study the minds of children and, and what they what they need and, and how they develop and the things that that they needed this young age to, to completely um, not even get to where some of the things that we were talking about, you know, um, to really be um, the part of their that trajectory um, became sort of an obsession of mine. So um, really going through grad school with that intention was amazing. I really enjoyed um, studying that. And I also studied it from a Christian perspective, which is very interesting. I went to a Christian university um, for, my um graduate studies so i think that was a very healing thing for me as well so just you know taking things um you know i was a student i love being a student of life that's one of my favorite things you know i'm constantly learning and reading and um listening to things that give me even more ideas and inspire me to continue um to be resourceful in these communities well right i just want to give one of the best things i've heard And now is sort of my teaching mantra. I have this on my out-school, you know, bio when you kind of click on me is be the person you needed when you were younger, right? Just when I am with these students or or clients in in whatever form that I get to meet them, meeting them where they are and just pouring into them and and just whatever that I needed at at that age, at that time, you know, and, and doing and just being very present at that moment in time. So... Really, being that being my mantra, really, um, also kind of ties into into that, right? So, what what did, what would have helped back then for me, even eleven years ago, uh, and to think what what could have done it for him as well.
0: Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I want us to move forward. So now you're back in the U.S. of A. in your beloved city of Brotherly Love.
1: City of yes. <laughs>
0: I love Philly. I've been there once.
1: Mm, That was mm -hmm. actually
0: and it's so funny. It was in twenty eleven.
1: Wow. Oh wow.
0: It was in twenty it was actually (laughs) it was it was March sixteenth. Oh wow March sixteenth for me is important because that's the day I got married three years ago. Oh wow. I was dating a young lady back then and her birthday uh, it's March 16th, and she always wanted to go to Philly. She actually moved to Pennsylvania a few years later because mm. uh, she has a brother that lives out in Lancaster, But uh, and I think that's where she is now, but she wanted to go to Philly for her birthday, so we were out there for I think three or four days because we ended up going to like D.C. and, and back and all that stuff or whatever, but I remember being in Philly and like, man, I'm like, all right, where's the cheesesteak places? You know, let's go downtown, Philly, and check out all. I want to see the the Rocky Statue, and I want to run the steps and all that mm-hmm. stuff, or whatever. And I love <laughs> Philadelphia the architecture. We went to all the touristy places and all that stuff. For you coming back home, and you started this out school project, and you started working with these young folks. Tell us a little bit about how our school works and also what was it like? Well, let's start off with that. What was it like when you first came back? Just real quick, what was it like when you first came back and you said, you know what? I want to work with these young folks in regards to this gun virus because it's getting even, it's way worse even before I left. mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I'm so honored to even talk about out school because um, it was, you know, as much as I loved it there at the time and I was grieving leaving somewhere so abruptly, I was also very grateful at that time to still be able to work. That was a time where a lot of people were losing their jobs, and not know what they were going to do. So it was like this pull and push of I'm so grateful I'm grieving leaving another city. Right. So um, this platform was very therapeutic for me as well. know every class and session was was me pouring into myself as well so i have so much love for out school so um on that platform i'm a life skills teacher the the classes that i teach are very much all under that umbrella theme and type so uh, many of them are affirmation based and you can kind of reach me in in different ways so there's one-to-one classes that we can sit um, weekly um and every class my intention is i bring an affirmation And we discuss it. And then, um, you know, it can go in many different directions, however it connects to the student and however it connects to me. And then I give resources, just as you are at the end of all these guys, right? So um, whatever you felt today, here is um, ways to exercise this. And it's different ways, too, because every learner is different, right? So I kind kind of touch every single way. If this doesn't interest you, do this thing. If that one doesn't get you, one of these five things will spark a little bit of interest is what my hope is um and then you get to know these kids and then you kind of dance these affirmations in a way that you hope um open them up in this way and that way and really nurture be a support in their life and to be able to do that larry for the last two years with children i probably will never meet in person right but all over this country and so many other countries has been such an honor right to be able i i've taught you know hundreds of kids on this platform um but in my reading um, classes and my affirmation based classes right and I think oh, my affirmation based cool. classes um, are my most you know that's like the one that I really have a heart for because it's such a vulnerable space because I remember when I first launched that course it was a one to six member course and no one signed up for it and then I shortened it to one to one boom 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 boom, boom. and I was like okay you want you because yeah you're right teenagers don't want to talk about their feelings with six other people six other teens they don't know at that I so, know. Right. <laughs> so i was like oh wow so then i you know and again these are children that you know i've had students in italy korea south africa india right um florida ohio you know even other places in the states and just really understanding that We all are the way that we are because of where we are from, too. So experiencing kids from all over the world. So to go from also to go from that sort of reach with children to now work exactly with children that guess what? Also grew up born and raised in Philadelphia. That shift was very interesting, too. It almost felt like this season, these these last two years where I was in my out school classes very heavily. It was my full time gig right now. It's sort of a part time. Friday night, Saturday morning gig, right? But once upon a time, this was my full-time gig, right? So to take, I was sort of practicing and honing my voice um, to really just share affirmations and, and how this really works, right? To do things that, the tools that really helped me, right? Much later in life as well. No one did this with me when I was a teen, first of all. So That's really my biggest thing as well. Right. I learned this much later in life, even past college. Even I didn't even have these tools when this happened to me 11 years ago. I didn't have any of this stuff that we're talking about right now. So my thing is, wow, what if I had this at 19? Better yet, what if I had this when I was 10? Oh, my. I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole, you know, so um, just thinking about that when I have these classes and, and knowing that I'm equipping them with with tools such as affirmations and and tapping. And some students I've had for a year, some I have for five months, some I have for four sessions, right? And they kind of, and I have the parents that kind of take the tools and they come back. And again, when we said earlier, sometimes you just don't know if any of this resonates, any of this sits, if any of this does anything, you just show up for it anyway, right? So. But to hear back sometimes what happens is someone circles back and be like, hey, I've been tapping. You know, I didn't even know what that was until I came. But now I'm tapping just, on, just out in the, you know, when I go for a walk and I have some time for myself, I tap now. These are 15-year-old teenagers uh, all over the place, you know. So to do that is is such an honor, right? And to be able to do that in this time, the technology and the ways that we can do that are amazing, So I really um, love OutSchool for that. So, And anyone who's listening who has children, please check out Out OutSchool for yourself and your children, (laughs) Um, because there's a lot of classes on there, you know, for core subjects as well. So I don't teach anything. This is my place to give back and heal versus um, subject-based matter. But there's subject-based matter, you know, you can learn Spanish, you can learn math and reading and get extra tutoring for this, that, and the third, you know, so... Do that for yourself and your children if, if you um, do need some extra help or you want summer stuff as well as summer is rolling around. So,
0: yeah. You know, since you're talking about tapping, can you explain what uh, is EFT? What's the, what's the complete title? It's, uh, Emotional EFT.
1: Freedom Technique. Yes. Say it again. Emotional Freedom Technique. EFT. Emotional
0: Freedom Technique. Mm-hmm. tap.
1: Tapping for sure. Or yeah.
0: I want you to teach me that for the next two minutes.
1: Yes. Yes. And it really does take two minutes sometimes, honestly. So we will go over, I'll just briefly, very quickly say what it does. Um, So it's based in, um, you know, modern psychology and um, Chinese um, medicine and and teachings as well. So... Um, just like if you heard of acupressure for anybody that's ever heard and seen acupressure, acupuncture being done, the same points, the same meridian points that you will see, obviously those use needles. So where you see the needles are on somebody that's strategically done, right? They're just not random places on the body. They are specific points in the body. And while I explain this, I will tap, you can just listen, but, um, these are specific points in the body that hold a lot of our energy you know so you will what you're tapping right now on the forehead point is um you know you can get headaches here right the side of the eye here under the eye here all of these points is where we feel all stuffed in our brain fog our headaches right a lot of that's all up here so when we do this when we do this practice which is so easy and you can take it what we're doing by tapping is we're really releasing all of this energy and we're really moving this energy around and cleaning this up and one of my teachers one of my favorite teachers gala Dowling, she says that this is like taking um a broom to your insides and just cleaning it up and this is something that i do every single morning you will not catch me leaving my house or talking to any child any person before i do this um and it's really to um clean up right and when we do this we also talk we can talk about a topic that is going on with you um something that is relevant or um something that is heavily on your mind right and some of these things sit in our body um and over time really slow us down right so this really is the practice of releasing these things and sometimes we really do get to the point of it is to get to the deepest, the the root of this problem and to release it, right? Sometimes we have a lot of stories on stories on top of things um, that are deeply rooted in other things, right? So this is to really release um, those stories uh, and those triggers. So this really is good for that nervous system. And after a traumatic event or, um, you know, uh, addicts use it. So, um, substance abuse counselors use it, you know, to break addictions and, and anything really, it could just be that you're sad that day and you just want to tap it out. It could also be that you are, I also tap to feel more of something. So if I feel momentum, I tap to feel even more momentum. Right. So, uh, I'm also told that there is no way wrong or right way to tap as well. And even tapping silently can be very releasing. So, um, In the work that I do with my clients, I have found that when I tap, I introduce it very lightly because I understand that there's a lot of trauma that they may have that they don't know that they have. So what I have found is even silently tapping can really release for them because you're just moving around energy and they're really just comforting their body. And they also don't know sometimes what's happening, right? So it's like, "Ah, I'm feeling something and I don't even know this lady sometimes, you know, so you can see that. So it's, it's, um, it's a really nice healing practice too to really incorporate much like meditation as well.
0: And this is good for any male. health
1: oh, it's Absolutely.
0: from A to Z. So
1: A to Z. Yes. A to Z. And it's so quick and, and, um, it's in your pocket, right? You can take it wherever you go. You can excuse yourself. You can even do it, you know, while commuting. I, I do this at work all the time. I just kind of tap and I breathe, you know, A lot of the things is, you know, can be avoided if we just take that pause If we learn to take a pause and we learn to take a breath. Right. Um, Just taking that five seconds of breath before we act can, I promise you, solve a lot of the stuff that's happening out here. Right. When you hear some of these things and some of these young people that pass away over, oh, my gosh, over some of the, you know, most ridiculous things, you know, you Mm -hmm. have to imagine if we took that time to pause or you learned how to do that, that we could be avoiding some of these names that we are seeing um, and some of these numbers that we are seeing for sure.
0: You know, for me, it's like, I think of the different forms of mental health therapy. One of the things that I always talk to people about is Mm -hmm. Mental health crisis is the world's oldest continuous pandemic that's been around since the mm. beginning of. Mankind. You yes. can find it in historical doctrines or documents. I should say, you can find it in religious doctrines. You can find it anywhere. Mm. There are three things I believe that are barriers to people seeking mental health therapy, the stigmas, the taboos, and the stereotypes. Everybody wanted to go in the open water until the movie Jaws came out. And people mm-hmm. were like, ah. And I think the same thing applies when we talk about mental health because mm-hmm. we start thinking, well, what's the negative thing that we think about when it comes to mm-hmm. mental health? It's something negative that's blocking us because otherwise it would be wholeheartedly embraced. Mm-hmm. One of the examples <laughs> I give is the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm -hmm. that movie came out now you gotta remember this is an Oscar winning film best picture, best actor, and best actress with Jack Nicholson the term that's in our lexicon today is one of the terms that we use is Nurse Mm Ratchet. she was a character in that movie she was the charge nurse she was the head nurse she was a very stoic nurse she was uh, just I don't want to be a spoiler, but you got to watch the movie if you haven't seen it. It depicted how people were treated in a mental health facility. Now, this was a lockdown facility, Mm -hmm. but the things that they were doing then, and this is in the 70s, -hmm. people see that and they they think in those terms. People were getting lobotomies. That was shown in that movie a couple times. People were put in straitjackets. I've seen that even as an EMS provider being put in padded rooms. There are padded rooms in every ER or some psych room in an ER. And people were getting medicated to the point where they were catatonic, walking around like the walking dead, but they're not eating brains and organs and shit. You know, so when people think about mental health therapy, they still see those images. And I'm like, We're not doing those things, and when I say we, I'm just talking about the medical Mm -hmm. community. You don't have lobotomies going on anymore. They now they're using electric shock therapy. I've seen that personally make a difference in patients that I transported when I was back in St. Louis. I worked for a private EMS service, and so we had seniors that we would pick up from certain nursing homes and take them to one of three facilities in St. Louis. One was a VA hospital. One was a level one trauma center. And one was a level two hospital, but they did, uh, and they would go two to three times a week. And I saw how they were before and after, because we would pick them up and drop them back off, you know, and they'd be there for four to six hours or something like that. Um, cognitive behavior therapy you got EMDR which is similar to EFT and mm-hmm. since you're not using the tapping but you're doing the eye movement Yeah. you know yes. mm-hmm. and so for those that are not watching and listening you got to look and do more research on these different therapies I interviewed a guy the other day he's a Reiki master practitioner Yeah. he uses yep. Reiki with his clients yeah. that are dealing with the aftermath of domestic violence and trafficking and sexually based offenses. Maybe mm-hmm. even if they, they may have been missing also, I got a lady that I'm getting ready to interview who does hypnotherapy. You know, I'm, I'm talking to people that I have a, a another person who is going to speak from, she's a minister and how mm-hmm. she uses, religion to help with her clients or mm-hmm. the people that she talks with mm-hmm. i want to look at it from a holistic point of view because you got to have options and you got to give people options there's there's more than one way to skin a cat and we get when we get through that's going to be a motherfucking stand-ass cat that's all i'm saying you <laughs> got to be more open to different things because one thing doesn't work for everybody right if i'm not a religious person I'm not going to go to a person that's going to speak from a religious point of mm-hmm. therapy. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. If I am a religious person, I may not talk to somebody who's coming from a metaphysical point of therapy, like Reiki, yeah. like yeah. what yeah. you're talking about. Because, in a sense, EFT is a form of metaphysics, right? Yeah. You're yeah. a metaphysician. I'm so, going to give you your title.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank
0: you very much for what you're doing. But I'm just saying, like, this is why we have this podcast because I want to open the door for people to look not only outside of the box, but I want them to say, you know what? I didn't know that was available.
1: Yes. Yes. I didn't
0: know that this is an option. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of domestic violence outside of a home. Right. There have been four young folks that have committed suicides. In the past month or so, on college campuses, mm-hmm. That's a domestic violence situation because those folks were living at their college home, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it affected everybody—the friends, the teachers, the RAs, the staff, the community. So, what are we talking about when we talk about domestic violence? You know, I speak with passion from a compassionate perspective and as a first responder i need more of my first responders to jump on board and understand this this is another reason why we're doing this podcast so other first responders that are listening that i'm going to be talking to i want them to you know what we're missing a lot of stuff because we get called on everything how many red flags are we missing because we don't get enough training when it comes to trafficking. I've had one trafficking in service in 14 years of being an EMS and fire. One. Mm-hmm. I say it all the time, it's not enough. So, that being said, I want to get your final thoughts on what we should be doing to help as far as not only with what you're doing, but what do you think? in terms of this gun violence in your community and then i have an end question for you specifically yeah
1: so you know for me personally you know just saying that making the decision to show back up right so just taking that as a responsibility and um also meeting it with things that um will help me Right. So really, you know, I use these words all the time now, LP, which is bridging the gap, just really finding resources that literally everywhere I go and just within um, the community where I work as well. Just speaking to people, networking. Right. And just really, we all want the same thing here, I would assume. Right. Everyone that I'm walking beside, whether you are a teacher in this community, whether you are a student here, whether you are a neighbor here. I am very sure that you don't want this, right? This is not what you want. You want to be able to walk around and feel safe. Something that I also found out when I left home, right, is that I have never been able to walk on the street and really feel safe. And when I found that, I found out I found that out because I was walking on their street and I felt physically safe, right? I wasn't always looking past my shoulder. I wasn't always, like, you know, scared something was going on around me. And when I discovered that about myself, I was like, Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. You have not felt this way before turning 25. <laughs> you were always, you know, looking over your shoulder for something, you know? So you find out even some things that we normalize are not normal or should not be normal, right? We've normalized a lot of these things in our communities. Sometimes we don't even flinch. And I will tell you, LP, not everything that happens on these streets can make it on the news. That's You, you have to understand a lot oh, yeah. of these things that are happening around here not on the news. There's just, it's not possible. This would all, we wouldn't make it to any other topic really, (laughs) or something would have to get cut out, you know? Um, so just knowing, you know, this, this is happening, just acknowledging. And I think just really wanting to say also, this is a we problem. A lot of us kind of walk around here. Like it's not a we problem. It's, it's a them problem. It's a they problem. It's whoever, you know, and it doesn't become your problem until it happens to you, unfortunately, right? And then it becomes your problem. Then it becomes real personal, right? Yeah. But let, it doesn't have to get that far for this to be a This is absolutely a problem for every single person in my city, whether they are taking it upon themselves.
0: Because you have kids
1: out here. You have wives out here. You have mothers and fathers that are working here and there, right? Right. And it's happening. This is a time we are. It, this is it's hap- It's a crisis here, right? It's we are absolutely in a state of emergency. So, just also acknowledging that and and pouring as much love um, into this community as, as I possibly can, and and um, just honoring where we are all at, and doing the best I can as as I see these people. Um, but yeah, I have to thank you and other people that I've met along the way that that have been resourceful for, to me as well, right? Um, the more that we equip ourselves with with contacts, with people, with ideas, right? Um, there's yeah. always more that we can do. There's always something else that we can do, right? Um, not to pressure ourselves, but there's always ways to be innovative and things that didn't that exist now didn't exist three years ago. Right. Sure. And things that exist now, five years from now, there'll be something even crazier that'll blow our minds. Right. So just always being showing up for just something else. Some, what can we do today? What can we do today to cure this issue? Right. What can we do today right now in my space to pour into this problem? Right. Um, because it is an absolute um, it is an absolute problem here right now as we are speaking and it's all of our problems right this is this is a we thing so just really um just really want to make that a point as well
0: no i'm I'm right there with you and for me the the fact that we have to have these discussions so often it just it's hard for me because i believe that Community, my definition of community is common plus unity plus dialogue. Mm. Have one without the other.
1: I love the word community. It's been a very big word in my year. I I didn't realize it, but I've been saying it a lot. So community is is definitely a big word for me this year.
0: Not only that, I believe that we need to focus on getting back to our humanity. Because as humans, Mm. we are so flawed. And we focus on perfection and that's just being perfect and that's just not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. However, I believe that if we focus on getting back to our humanity, because that puts you in the mindset of I don't wanna hurt you, my fellow mm-hmm. human. Mm-hmm. If Blanky. I need <laughs> if I need a kidney And you are a match and you're willing to be a donor. You're going to save my life. It doesn't matter that you're a woman. I don't have to get it from another black man. It's a kidney. It doesn't matter that it's coming from a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter that we're black and brown. Mm -hmm. If if you are a match and you are a willing donor, you're going to help save my life. As long mm-hmm. as my body doesn't reject it. Mm-hmm. All the stars line up. Every day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But people get focused on, no, nah, you know, because you, you don't look like me. You know, you're not the same gender as me. Mm-hmm. All this stuff or whatever. And it just causes all this conflict that ends up...
1: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So for me... The final question that I'm going to ask you, because I'm so glad you brought that up, is this. If you were to write yourself a letter or an email to yourself, what say you after all of these things have transpired in your life?
1: Yes. Oh, that's that's so beautiful, because I actually do that in one of my classes with my students. Um, Really? Yes. And it's um, by you can it's like you can write yourself an email that will send back to you in three five you can choose the amounts that's beautiful um and i love exercises like this and i would just congratulate myself really there are some things that i could not have predicted would have come along the way so just really congratulating you know we have a, we are a lot more powerful than we give our credit for truly sure. um And I would not have assumed that so many of the things that I would have done would have been, I would have been able to do them. So just really congratulating myself and and telling myself to just um, give yourself more grace, you know. Um, We don't give uh, ourselves a lot of grace when we go through these things. We're like, we need to be over this today. Or why is this taking me so long, you know, (laughs) or why am I feeling this? You know, we kind of get mad when we don't feel like ourselves or, or in a mood. It's like, no, why Why are you in a mood, right? Really just be your best friend. And um, just, um, I'm just so proud, you know, I, I'm really, and also impressed, you know, I feel like I've lived six different lives already, you know, um, and different versions of myself, you know, so just really... Um, just really. And I laugh a lot, too, pouring back into myself. Yeah. It's, you have to laugh, you know. You laugh. Really, you got to. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the stuff you look back and you're like, wow, uh, especially community based, too, you know, um, seeing it in the eyes of other people uh, and how I look at my community, watching people grow. You know, uh, it's an honor. So I'm just really proud of myself and everybody else that I'm around, really. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, writing to myself, I'm really proud of myself. And everybody that I've uh, been able to grow up around, go to school around um, and still have relationships with today. My old roommates that are doctors and nurses and married and have babies now. Are you kidding me right now? You know, look at us. Like, you You know, (laughs) so I'm very proud of them, too. I'm proud of me. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of all of us. Um, So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Danya, I just want to thank you. For all that you do, all that you are, and how you are changing lives in Philadelphia. It's always a pleasure talking to you. You're somebody that I'm so honored to not only have met, but I look forward to coming to Philly and sharing the cheesesteak with you (laughs) sooner (laughs) rather than later.
1: Yes. And just
0: having some in person EFT.
1: Yes. yes.
0: I think I'm going to start doing that for myself just daily and showing other people how that's such a great thing that they can utilize because I believe that it all starts in the mind.
1: Yes.
0: You know, and one of the things I talk to young people about is I remember as a kid listening to the KRS1 and Boogie Down Productions, and they, they had an album that came out called Criminal Minded. And I remember looking at the linear notes, which most of these young folks don't know anything about that. This was from inside the album. They would talk about how they created the album, why, who all was part of it and all these things. Well, Karis once said that the reason he titled it Criminal Minded was because he knows that people will take actions that are deemed criminal and he said like he defined gang a gang is three or more people but and that's just the basic definition of it It doesn't have any connotations to negative stuff but people add that to it you know if you see a gang of three white young men typically you're not going to even say anything unless you stereotype them because all they got on hip-hop clothes they got on sports gear whatever same thing with black young males or whatever they could be walking down the street, business casual, mm-hmm. and be confronted, you know, by maybe law enforcement or somebody coming up to them doing some caring shit, talking about, you know, they're in the gang or whatever. Because it's three of them. It's like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, as a teenager, it was three of us, me and my two buddies. We were walking home one day down a major thoroughfare in St. Louis, Missouri and these undercover cops pulled up beside us and stopped us. Mm-hmm. And like, what are you guys doing? Well, we're walking home. Wow. Mm-hmm. Who are you affiliated with? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, we didn't, and we just had on regular clothes or whatever. We weren't in games. Like, matter of fact, we didn't, we didn't even like all that stuff. You know, we stayed away from all of that negative shit. But the fact that we were three black guys and these undercover cops, they were all white and they were like, oh, well, you look like somebody that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we do. That doesn't make it us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the approach was the problem. I didn't have a problem with them. Stop because, OK, you got to do your job. No problem. It's how we go about it. So, again, when we're talking to these young folks, the reason why we have a lot of this conflict, again, because it's verbal judo. Even in a law enforcement interaction with a young person, use your verbal judo, Mr. Officer.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Use
0: your verbal judo because that could have ended all kind of ways. It could have ended up with one of us hurt, injured, dying or dead. It could have ended up with one of them hurt, injured or dying or dead if we were those guys
1: right oh absolutely yes very
0: good point okay yeah Mm -hmm. you know you roll up on the wrong dudes or whatever they ain't waiting to see badges they hey right Mm -hmm. you know so it could have been deadly for everybody involved so i just want to say thank you so much for being on the trigger want to talk podcast you're always welcome to come back i'm going to see you in these clubhouse streets yes in these Philly streets sooner rather than later. Yes. And definitely I want to wish you peace and blessings be upon you, your family, all your students forevermore. Thank you so, so much. Danya Vargas.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me. Truly. This is it's such an honor to be here. And and today too, you know. So it'll always be what I did on this day this year, right? And I'm sure in this and it'll help me also to use it and to continue to use it. So Thank you for uh, being a part of today.
0: <laughs> no problem. We're gonna have Donya drop off and we're gonna continue with our final segment, which is a missing person case. Again, Donya, peace and blessings be upon you. You have a great day. I'll see you. Bye. That was Donya Vargas, Very, very humble young lady. Tap in with her and I'll have all of her contact information in the description on this audio and video podcast at the bottom. She is a wonderful human being who wants to help her fellow human beings get back to their humanity. We're going to switch it up and we're going to focus on our last segment, which is talking about a missing person case. So as I bring this information up, Let's see here, hold on a second. I want to talk about a young lady. Her name is Phoenix Coldon. Phoenix, like the bird, or the the city. Coldon, C-O-L-D-O-N. Phoenix is a young lady who was 23 years old when she was last seen at 3 p.m. on December 18th of 2011. Phoenix also, um, she has two parents. She's from my hometown area of St. Louis County, Missouri. She was missing from Spanish Lake, which is part of St. Louis County. Uh, she was last seen with her parents or she was last seen in her parents' driveway sitting in her black 98 Chevy Blazer. The vehicle was discovered at 5:27 PM central time on December 18, 2011. Uh, the day she disappeared by police officers in East St. Louis, which is right across the river from St. Louis. So we're not talking about, she was found somewhere far away. She also, when they found the vehicle, the vehicle wasn't immediately tied to the missing person case because it was located prior to a missing person being reported. Uh, Phoenix had only been going from her parents' driveway about two and a half hours when the vehicle was found. And because it was impounded in Illinois, not in Missouri, the state uh, that she vanished from. So the vehicle when found contained her glasses, her purse, her shoes, her ID and a cell phone bill that had been sent to collections. DNA testing of the vehicle didn't indicate the presence of any other individuals besides Phoenix and her parents. So nobody else's DNA was found in the vehicle. Since disappearing, there has been no activity on her cell phone, bank accounts, or any social media. Why that's important is she kind of disappeared without a trace, you know, and that's the, the kind of weird, really weird thing for the investigators as well as the family that you know she disappeared basically without a trace um, i'm just reading here she may have been dating more than one man prior to her disappearance she had not she had at least two cell phones but her parents only knew about one phone it speculated that due to her strict religious upbringing phoenix obtained a second phone to keep her social life from her parents who may not have approved of her lifestyle. At the time of her disappearance, Phoenix parents believed she was enrolled in college, but subsequently learned she had withdrawn and was no longer a student. There are three theories that are going along with her disappearance. One theory is that she is a victim of a sex trafficking ring. So the St. Louis metro area is a top 20 area in the country. Known for sex trafficking, Highway or Interstate Seventy runs right right through the area and has been called the sex trafficking highway of America by State Rep. Representative Nathan Tate, who is a Republican in St. Clair. Two, she's the victim of a non-sex trafficking related crime, so all the activity has stopped on her bank account, cell phone, and social media. This is often an indicator that the person has died. And Phoenix parents believe she had gotten involved with the wrong people in the prior months uh, before her disappearance. And the third theory is that she ran away. Many of her friends refused to speak to family or police about Phoenix in the aftermath of her disappearance. Some speculate this could be because they know where she is and refuse to divulge her whereabouts. And finally, they, there were alleged sightings of her after she vanished. None have been substantiated. However, Her parents, Goldia and Lawrence, continue to search for Phoenix. They have been scammed in the past, having lost their home due to past due mortgage payments while all their money was tied up in a scam. They were victims of trying to locate their daughter. Their parents are very religious. Now, is that controlling? We don't know. Some people feel that this is what led to Phoenix being dishonest with them about her life and choices. Again, her name is Felix. Me, Phoenix Koldong. I want to list her information in the description as well as Danya's information in the description. We also have a ton of resources that will be in the description. So if you were triggered at any point during this conversation, again, call 911 because LP's is not showing up. Danya is not showing up. You know, we talked about gun violence and we talked about suicide. The suicide hotline and contact information will be in the description. We talked about domestic violence. The domestic violence hotline and website will be in the description. We talked about so many things. I even added substance abuse hotlines. So we have AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. We have Narcotics Anonymous. We have Al-Anon. We have a number of resources listed for the people that may need help with being triggered. I want to thank you all for joining the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. It's been a pleasure always, as always, to talk to you all about trigger warning discussions. And remember, we have to get back to our humanity. And the only way we're going to do that is have an open, honest, unfiltered conversations about things that may be triggering. And with that, I'm L.P. Thank you. Peace and blessings be upon you, your family members. Until our next show.